4: Your Good morning. Hello. If you're just tuning in. First of all, let's just say who we are. I was ready to go into a spiel until, um, <laughs> I'm Jan. Yes. Um, George. And you're listening to Tuesday breakfast on eight fifty five AM on three C R Community Radio. I don't know what the weather is, um, but yeah, it's not so good. Well, there you go. We don't know the number, but we it just know it is
5: currently right? 14 degrees, and
4: it's going to be 17 today with some showers. Not the best. <laughs> I know, and I don't have. I never seem to have an umbrella. Um, I always say I'm going to get an umbrella, and by the time I come around to getting one, what ends up happening is I don't buy it and then when i don't need it i'm like oh like when it's not raining i don't need it obviously and when i need it, i i never have it on me mm. um so. <laughs> yeah so one I, of those things hey i don't know where that went that story <laughs> like it had potential it started off <laughs> with so strong and then i saw i saw the stories thinking and i was <laughs> like no bring it to life um but yeah we have some um amazing interviews um with us today Um, But before we get into the interviews, just some things that happened over the weekend. 26th of May was National Sorry Day. This day remembers the children and families of the stolen generation, a generation that saw the forced removal of Aboriginal children from their homes and interstate care. There were a number of policies that made the theft possible, including the Aborigines Protection Act Act, Victoria, New South Wales, Aborigines Protection Board, Northern Territory Aboriginals Ordinance, um, which was a Commonwealth policy. National Sorry Day was established in 1998 and came on the heels of the Bringing Them Home report, which was presented to Parliament in 1997. So over the weekend, 3CR Community Radio um, had three hours of uh, broadcasting Sorry Day content and the content featured the voices of those directly impacted by the stolen generations and the organizations that are working to support them and those trying to stop current and future stolen generations, such as the Grandmothers Against Removals. Um, yeah, so if you are interested in listening back to some of the programs, we'll put up a link on our Facebook page. Um, mind you, not all the programs will be on online. Um, but I think you can find the majority of it. Um, and what else happened over the weekend? Oh, well, well, what is about to happen, actually, this weekend? Well, I was
5: just going to say that we will be speaking to the Grandmothers Against, or someone from the Grandmothers Against Removals, hopefully next week. Super. Um, and for Reconciliation Week this week, we'll be playing some content in today's program, um, about that. And also uh, on June 4th, it's Mabo Day. So Eddie Mabo was a campaigner for Indigenous land rights. I'm sure many of our listeners are aware. Um, And on the 3rd of June in 1992, he won a legal battle to reverse the legal status of Terra Nullius, a status that claimed there was no Aboriginal land ownership, therefore the country was up for grabs. And sadly, Eddie Mabo did not live to see the ruling, but his
4: contribution to land rights is being celebrated over twenty years later, and we thought we would um, uh, finish that segment off with an amazing song by Dreaming Now. So the song is called Australia Does Not Exist, and it's and it features Philly, Adrian Eagle, Cultural Culture, sorry, Culture Evolves. Let's have a listen.
6: For us, fellas. as a reminder who we are.
5: Every year for NADOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's
3: only live prison
1: broadcast. I am a black, black man. NADOC means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present.
3: NADOC means a lot to me, for my family. And my people.
1: And the people
2: forgetting about
1: our rights.
2: You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash Beyond the Bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcast.
7: Happy, Happy night off. off. 3CR are selling to fear. Go to 3cr.org.au/slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours.
5: And we're back at Tuesday breakfast. Um, so, for Reconciliation Week, I was reading an article on SBS um, by Summer May fin- Finlay, and it was about how to be a good Indigenous ally. And it breaks it down into a number of different recommendations. The first one is uh, to preference Indigenous people's voices. So that seems obviously, you know, I guess, pretty expected. Mm-hmm. So I suppose for today, Uh, As it is Reconciliation Week We thought we'd play a section of a podcast It's called Away It's produced and presented by Aboriginal broadcasters And it's Australia's only national Indigenous arts and culture program This particular program that we're going to play Some sections of throughout our show today Is about the 67 67 referendum And some different voices and perspectives on that
3: In many ways it's a disappointment when you think about the real world outcomes of the referendum for Aborigines. The whole thing
8: makes me feel quite indignant when I think of how poorly the people
2: were treated. For many people, including for her, that was a terrible betrayal. Because there'd been an act of trust. Vote
3: yes for Aborigines, all parties say they think you should. Vote yes and show the world the true Australian brotherhood. The result of the referendum on the Aboriginal question was a resounding triumph for the Aboriginal cause. Australia recorded a yes vote of nearly 91%. What we saw in 1967 was the combination of 10 years of committed Australians saying something needs to change in this document when things didn't happen that's when that level of frustration turned to anger it certainly brought a a sense of um, unity maybe even optimism but so much has failed to come to pass we are
1: going Fifty years ago, Australians voted to amend the Constitution, and it's always a big deal. But in 1967, rather than just tinkering at the edges, the constitutional changes that were proposed seemed to be something fundamental. Something that went right to the heart of the way the Commonwealth dealt with what was termed the Aboriginal question. Sometimes it was known as the Aboriginal problem. On May the 27th, 1967, 90.77% of Australians, the biggest majority ever recorded in a national referendum, voted to amend the 1901 Constitution as it pertained to Aboriginal people. Two important sections. Put simply, the referendum proposal asked if clauses should be removed from the Constitution, which impeded the power of the Commonwealth in Aboriginal affairs. Secondly... If Aboriginal people should be reckoned or counted in the census. Now they seem pretty simple and pretty straightforward, but the implications were huge. Today you'll hear five voices and five different perspectives on the meaning of the referendum. In some way or another, all of them have a personal stake in the events of 1967.
3: The referendum is, is a historical marker in the history of, of this country. It ticks so many boxes. My name is Vernon Arkey and I am a uh, full-time working artist and I live in Brisbane. And it ticks so many boxes for black and the country as a whole. I think it was meant to bring profound change, but it, it didn't quite achieve that.
1: Do you think it was a disappointment?
3: I think, in many ways, it's a disappointment when you think about, you know, the, the the real world outcomes of the referendum for Aborigines. But symbolically, I think you know the fact that it happened at all is significant, and, and it continues to tick a lot of those those boxes. Symbolically and, and um, you know it, it plays on people's minds, you know, it was meant to be something significant and it didn't didn't quite turn out that way. After all the eyes of the world are on us. It's said that we're discriminatory. And I think that if we vote no, it will do a great deal of damage to Australia in the eyes of the world. I think from the standpoint of our international reputation, it is vital that there should be an overwhelming yes vote.
8: The referendum is on Saturday. And it's important that we should have the maximum vote because the eyes of the world are on Australia. They are waiting to see whether or not the white Australian will take with him, as one people, the dark Australian. Prior to the referendum, Aboriginal people was living under six different laws, and they were controlled by the states.
1: This is Faith Bandler. She's an activist, a a lead campaigner during the 1967 referendum. It's 2007. We're at her home in Tarramurra, which is in the northern suburbs of Sydney.
8: So if if they moved from one state to another they had to find out what the laws were otherwise they could land in jail. So um, the whole thing makes me feel quite indignant when I think of how poorly the people were treated when their beautiful land was taken away from them and the wealth that the white people irked out of the land. And here you had the true owners at the very bottom of the economic ladder.
2: Well, you tend to think, where is justice? I think that was really her biggest motivator, that sense that there was a wrong done here and it was done on a daily basis and it affected people's lives in a really unjust way that in particular took away people's ability to live a reasonable life, to move as they would, to visit friends as they wished, to travel as they wished. And she recognised all of that. And she recognised too that things like statements in a federal parliament or by the population were actually very important that when public statements are made they actually carry weight and that the weight of that needed to come to support Aboriginal people in their struggle for change. My name is Lilon Gretel Bandler and I work at the University of Sydney in the Sydney Medical School and I am the daughter of Faith and Hans Bandler. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Donate now by calling nine four one nine eight three double seven, or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post as a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066.
5: You're listening to Tuesday Brekkie. So we were just playing a little section of a program it's called away um an indigenous program and that particular episode was on the 67 referendum and different perspectives on it and where
4: to from from where we are now yes Excellent. And do you think we might be able to find a link to post yes, our Facebook page? Yes, we will
5: definitely do that. And we might also play another section of that later in today's program as well.
4: Yay. I hope everyone that's listening is, has been enjoying all the audio that we've been sharing. Um, but right now we have Giselle Hanna, the wonderful... Um, Badass, Kickass, Giselle Hannah. Giselle is a rank and file member of the CPSU and has been an international trade union activist for 14 years. She has been involved in organising International Women's Day since 1998 and has been a broadcaster at 3CR Radio, focusing mainly on women's programming for about 20 years. Giselle is also the presenter of Accent of Women. Welcome to Tuesday Breakfast,
9: Giselle. Oh, why, thank you. Hello and good morning to you all. Did you like that, <laughs> that introduction? I that loved it. Oh, why, thank you. Yes, there was quite a bit of hype. Yeah, well, there it
4: has to be because um, during the break, um, Giselle promised that she would try to, yeah, tr- tr- try to um, embarrass me. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to make sure to be on her good graces um so Giselle. Oh no oh
9: no you know 3CR is a warm and open and welcoming space no 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 uh, <laughs> on-air humiliation I don't know what this is. None of that none
4: There's of that. There's a lot going on off air. So um Giselle can you tell us how you got into radio?
9: Yeah so I was I was actually a student at um Melbourne University I was involved in student politics and I Got involved in, in, so you talked about, um, Inter- international women's day. I was involved in the feminist movement, and one of, um, the, one of these women that I really looked up to as a broadcaster at 3CR, her name is Patricia Carvelis, who incidentally is the woman who now does drive on Radio National. Anyway, mm-hmm. she brought me into the station and talked to me about uh, community radio. I mean, back then, she was very progressive. She's not progressive anymore. Um, but back then, she was, she was a staunch feminist, and she pretty much trained me in, you know, my foundational politics. So that's how I got into 3CR, through, like many people, through my campaigns out there in the world, um, brought them into the station, and then started broadcasting.
4: That's that's amazing. God, the the links between history. Yes, I love it. And during our um, your bio, we mentioned that you're interested. Your well, your radio content focuses on women and union work. Why are these two topics
9: so close to your heart? Well, it's. I mean, close to my heart is one way to say it. There's another way to say it. I have a political analysis of the world. I. I think that you can um, relate all of the world's oppression back to a source, not a single source. And I think, you know, I'm about to simplify things, but I think the the historical development of capitalism is very complex. I think capitalism exploits existing divisions like race and racism and um, sex and sexism and misogyny and those kinds mm. of things. But fundamentally, I'm anti-capitalist. So that makes me a Marxist, probably, if we kind of b- uh, look at what my analysis is of the world. So then I would say that the way to defeat a system of capitalism is through those, that force in society that has the power collectively to overthrow capitalism, that classes the workers. Where are workers organised, they're mm. organised in unions. So... Um, So for me, my commitment to the workers' movement is because I see workers as the force in society that has the collective power to overthrow capitalism. I don't think workers are inherently nice people. You know, I think identity politics, for instance, is something that's really taken over. In the left wing um, conversation, I think that's a problematic development. I don't, you know, people kind of collapse this analysis as, um, can you know.
4: So, to cut you off, can you tell us what identity politics is? Yeah,
9: let me, uh, so I'll just complete this mm-hmm. train and then I'll, I'll link it back, right? It. So, a lot of people say, no, actually, the way that we're going to change the world is if the oppressed people lead the movements. I think that's really sloppy language. I don't... Oppressed people is lots and lots of different people. Like, homeless people are oppressed by this system. Homeless people, as a force in society, don't have the power alone to overthrow a movement, to overthrow capitalism. Mm -hmm. I think that women are oppressed but inside the category woman there are people that have a lot of institutional power and actually are, although experience sexist oppression are a part of the ruling class they are not a force in society that are going to overthrow Mm -hmm. capitalism Mm -hmm. meanwhile workers who are Drinking and swimming the propaganda that is fed to us, workers may very well be racists and sexists Mm -hmm. and might go home and perpetrate violence. So so it's not that these people, the workers are nice people, the issue is power. Mm. The issue is what force in society has the power to overthrow and what is required to collectivise, what is required to build working-class unity. Mm. So returning to your question, what is identity politics? I think identity politics is the collapsing of Our understanding of how capitalism works to divide and cause pain and hurt people. Mm. You know, like as a woman of colour in the world, yes, I experience racism, I experience sexism. But those qualities, the fact that I experience racism doesn't make me better at saying what is required to overcome racism mm. it just means I'm better at saying how racism is felt by me by someone with my specific characteristics, mm. which is very different to for instance how a young you experience racism mm. so I think identity politics is when you collapse um, experience mm. and strategy for changing the world mm. when you say just because you've experienced sexism racism homophobia etc that suddenly mm. you that means you have a strategy for overcoming it mm, mm, mm. did that
4: yeah, no th- that makes absolute um I definitely took that in, but for me i guess i I'm on the opposite spectrum i i think only because as someone as as a woman of color as a black woman, obviously, I feel like I would be the best judge to tell my own story, but also if If, if if, let's say we have an event on racism, I think a person of color should lead it. Doesn't mean that we should not um, include other voices, but if you're, if you're, like, so if you're getting to the person who experiences the most oppression, you're more likely to bring everybody else up. That's how I. I mean, that's how I see it. And usually, when people talk about identity politics, the only time. I'm uncomfortable with it is when the right wing use it to sort of silence my voice and your voice and other voices. But if it's from someone from the left wing, I, I'm just sort of like, Oh, okay. But if it's someone that's going, that's doing that to, If you're saying it to make sure that we don't forget the bigger purpose, which is to attack capitalism, which is to attack white supremacy, cool. But if it's to sort of say, Oh, that means, I'm a working-class white person. Yes, I might not be black, but I can still talk about your oppression because we're all still facing oppression.
9: There, even in your speaking, I think two things have been collapsed. Mm-hmm. One is experience. The other is what it, what's required to change the world. So I think I agree with you. You're the mm-hmm. best person to tell your, your experience of oppression. But more than that... People, uh, West Papuans mm. collectively, are better positioned to talk about the experience mm-hmm. of West Papuan oppression under Indonesian rule. Mm. So I'm not, I'm not saying no to that. <coughs> In relation to, actually, so going beyond talking. So all the things you talked about are talking. The, talking is important. Where this is a radio platform mm. for crying out loud. So those public meetings, yes, you can't have a public meeting about racism without people of colour on a platform. That is ludicrous. Mm. That will show, uh, that will reflect a deficit in our movement. Mm, Deficit, that's a good Mm. word, yes. Mm. But, the, but what comes next, mm. what it takes to actually change the world, what it t- takes to push against the system, having an analysis that is beyond your particular experience of racism because racism looks differently everywhere in the world. Mm. That, is, that is how capitalism has, has adapted mm. these divisions between us to maintain itself. Mm. Yeah. And not just that, you know, economic detru- destruction, all of those things. Mm. So the conversation needs to be beyond individual communities that experience oppression and it needs to look at Mm. what is required for the world. Yeah, And I think that saying that only those that have experienced a particular kind and kind of a little bit what you were pointing to, Aya, Mm. which was, you know, the most oppressed, I'm not sure that a conversation at that level will give us what we need to overthrow capitalism. That is all I'm saying in relation to identity politics.
4: Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, let's let's go somewhere um, a bit lighter. Mm.
9: Uh, no, I only do <laughs> heavy. <laughs> heavy is my thing. I don't know if you've listened to my show. Yeah, no, I've, I've I, noticed I that. Your... one mode, one mode <laughs> yeah. heavy.
4: Your default? Well, I mean, it's cute. It works for you. It works for you. <laughs> it's
9: cute. Um, <laughs> she just said that to me. Uh,
4: so what's the best part about working on radio?
9: Um, Yeah, I, you know what? Radio, in and of itself, is not a thing for me. Mm-hmm. Radio mm-hmm. is a platform, among many others, I have to get ideas out there and to challenge politics and to find the people that I can work with for a broader project, which is the, what I talked about earlier. You, you know, change it. Here's this small project I've got on the side called Overthrowing Capitalism. <laughs> but. <Yeah. coughs> So I came to 3CR through activism. A- activism I- is key for me about this place. So I'm, I unlike many people, and I'm not criticising this, I actually think it's really wonderful. I just don't have a mind that works towards, you know, interesting uses of sound and, you know, <laughs> soundscaping. And I, I, I just don't, I, I don't, I can't compute that kind of thing. Yeah. So in terms of what is great about working in radio. It's very specific to this place. Mm. So what is great about working at 3CR is I get to meet people like you, is that I get to watch new and young broadcasters come in who are open and keen and wanting to, you know... Grapple with new ideas and Mm. wanting to Mm. actually make a difference—that's what's exciting. The other thing that's exciting about working at 3CR or doing radio here is that okay, you've got the young people coming in, but also we've got people here that have been here for 40 years. We've Mm. got you know an older generation of activists that have so much to teach, and I and this place is so generous in relation to that. So, what do I love about radio? Mm. Nothing particularly. What do I love about 3CR? Mostly the people and the opportunities to to change the world. Mm. And then radio as a platform to actually get another narrative out there. Mm.
4: And on the flip side, what are the challenges? Do you think, because I feel like radio is one platform for activism or for just raising community awareness, but what do you think the
9: challenges for doing that is what so the challenges in radio specific yeah of so, platform? yeah like how much can it achieve and nothing on its own but mm. but nothing can be achieved on its own so mm. radio in isolation won't achieve anything and and this is why 3cr is so different like if you go through the grid a lot of those show the grid is our, our programming mm. guide listeners A lot of those shows are connected to grassroots movements. Mm -hmm. City Limits is the urban development show that actually challenges how governments put cities together. And how governments put cities together is from one election period to another, or one election cycle to another. So if you think in the state of Victoria, the elections are every three to four, I think every four years. So... One year of that four-year period is an election mode. So you've really, you're only designing cities in three years out of four. How do, you, how do you actually look at a long-term, what is required for people? How do you deal with urban sprawl and the mm-hmm. transport requirements and how much it costs to invest in transport if you're operating on an election cycle like that? Mm-hmm. So City Limits is a show connected to that movement. Um, Asia Pacific Currents is a show that is connected to the international labour movement. So all of the stories are derived from the activists and the, um, the labour movements that are actually operating in Turkey and Iran and Korea and Indonesia and the Philippines. So, it's not an ISO. So if radio was isolated, yes, I agree with you in relation to those limitations. But I, I want to bust that open. You know, and nothing works on its own. Even community TV shouldn't be working on its own. Mm-hmm. It needs to be connected to the people that are absorbing that information.
4: And for our listeners, I think we've mentioned it, but if we haven't, June starting from June the fourth. To June the 17th is Radiothon and I guess that's one of the reasons we wanted you to come in because we knew you would be the best person to one of the best people to tell the 3CR community radio story why Um, why do you think people should get behind community radio in particular 3CR
9: this is a really good question and I'm a national programmer so that's accent of women which you mentioned and we had this conversation amongst the national programmers recently um, about the trend in community radio across the sector, so across Australia. And one of the things, you know, there is this broader liberal movement, you know, the same liberal movement that gives Uber, that gives Airbnb, Airtasker, those kinds of things, reducing people to the individual. That is the height of liberalism, that the highest state of, an, uh, of society is that of the individual. So reducing community broadcasters to individual freelance media makers Um, and, you know, using platforms like podcasting and things like that to produce radio. But what that deteriorates is the community that I spoke about, a place like 3CR where you can learn from the old and teach to the new and learn from the new and, and round and round it goes. So why 3CR is because despite the pressure across the sector to move in a particular way, this vibrant, high uh, visibility, mm. high um, online platform kind of thing. I mean, we have all of those things, but we've maintained the essence, the fabric of community radio, which is the collectivism that goes into producing the shows that we produce. I mean, the quality of your show, Ayan, is not because Ayan as an individual is amazing. That is all true, but there were... 30 people that invested in you and produced the kind of radio programmer that you are. I am the product of 400 volunteers and staff members in my 20 years at 3CR that had me be who I am. So that is why 3CR. Wow.
4: And the award goes to... Amazing. Thank you so much for You're coming welcome. in. You're and, very welcome. And th- th- that's one of the reasons I we wanted you to come in, um, because we knew you wouldn't, you, I, I love that you contextualize it. You don't just, like, narrow it down to just 3CR. You talk about, you talk about why collectivity, is it collectivity? Is that the word I'm looking for? Why that is so important, because without all of us contributing, you know, we wouldn't, 3CR wouldn't be the place that it, that it is, and I, and I think there aren't that many two place, there aren't that many places that exist where it allows us to work in unison and to also learn from each other as well, learn and share knowledge. So we are very appreciative. and accent of women is on Mondays every Monday actually every tuesday um, oh tuesday did it change oh no tuesday oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> where is where is your friend's head at <laughs> not here clearly tuesdays 8 30 right after us um for those uh, long time listeners you would know and yeah so um after our show have a listen to giselle's accent of women
7: Accent to
2: women. It seems so obvious to me that if you live in a, in a completely violent um, cultural milieu, that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives. Accent to women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the...
6: How the can country? people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where, are too, where there are armies there and terrorists there, such conflict every single day of their lives?
8: Accent to women. A show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds.
2: Every Monday from 11am on Community Radio 3CR. And that
4: promo that you just heard, Accident of Women, um, that promo said the show comes on at 11am, when in reality it comes on 8.30. So just heads up for those of you who will be tuning at 11am, it's not coming on. It does come on 8.30 on Tuesdays, every Tuesday.
2: Hi, I'm Maurice.
3: And I'm Mario. And we're Chronically Chronically Chilled, Chilled. a program that aims to provide a platform to those living with chronic and invisible illness, as well as exploring topics that impact on our daily lives.
4: Listen to Chronically Chilled, the first Wednesday of every month at 6pm.
2: 3CR Radiothon 2018, fight for your mic. The 3CR annual Radiothon fundraiser is almost here. From June the 4th to the 17th, we're asking you to help us stay on air by making a generous donation. Any amount you can afford makes a big difference, and all donations over $2 are tax deductible. To donate, call... 03-94198377 3 or donate online at 3CR.org.au. 3CR Radio Thon 2018. Fight for your
1: mic.
5: you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast. So we just had Giselle with us in the studio. What a fantastic interview. Yeah. I wanted to get stuck into the topic of identity politics, but I didn't want to <laughs> interrupt the flow of the <laughs>
4: conversation. Yeah, me too. I think we should do maybe, maybe that should be our next panel. Yeah. Identity, identity politics. politics. Because yeah. there's so
5: much to discuss there. And I, I don't actually, I understand that perspective, that Marxist feminist perspective. But I don't think I agree 100%.
4: I'd love to like kind of, get stuck into the differences and debate yeah. debated a bit mm. and if it was to be debated I'd want it to be debated amongst us I don't want any right wing folks getting No me. no I want it to be you know <laughs> just within the umbrella of the more yes progressive cause,
5: yeah because there's different
4: perspectives community. against identity
5: politics mm. but that one really does have weight like I understand why yeah. uh, if you are coming from that more marxist perspective that you mm. would take issue yeah. with it I've like,
0: never really um thought about it that way which probably just speak to my lack of experience in these mm-hmm. matters but yeah i think i'll be reading up about that mm-hmm. tonight actually cuz i I, w- I remember going
5: to a couple of meetings with like the socialist groups at mm-hmm. uni and mm-hmm. that was that was always a really big talking point that they they felt like it was working against the class struggle to be talking mm-hmm. about these different issues of identity and representation mm-hmm. I, I, and i sort of I guess I w- I'd love to discuss it further, but I wonder, like, can't, can't you do both? Can't you mm. engage with those differences in identity in and understand? Yeah. yeah, and yeah. that oppression isn't, you know, and that, that I'm sh- that's not obviously not what Giselle's saying, but,
4: um, yeah, the, I, yeah, it's a really, it's a huge topic it for is. Us to mm. consider. But one thing she definitely um, triggered for me, not triggered, but um, I guess <laughs> highlighted and makes me want to look further into is just the class struggles, just the importance of class struggles. Yeah, Yeah, and I think she'd be the best person to talk to about that, like the history, not just in Australia but globally, because a lot of the times we don't think about it. Like, I mean, I know the basics. Like, I know – I guess the definition of class struggle but Mm -hmm. I don't know how it still continues to be manifested in our current times Mm -hmm. so yeah that would be an interesting thing to chat to Giselle about
5: yeah for sure Um, we're going to go to a track now this is another one that I got from Sister's Eye (laughs) Um, it's by Yolanda Brown and it's called Tokyo Sunset
1: 3CR's Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Program, featuring information on health and housing services, as well as live local guests, artists and performers from our unsung community.
7: Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855 AM. Yeah. From every corner of the land Womankind arise. Women on the Line A current affairs program
2: devoted to women's voices Covering a diversity of women's interests And hearing women's perspectives on current affairs
4: Rights, never
8: Erosion of human rights Leads directly and inevitably To erosion of human security
2: We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our lot. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au.
4: I'm Black Betty, and you
7: can join me for Black Noise Radio each Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Join me each week as I serve you up a deadly fine offering of all things black as we explore black Australia
1: and everything fabulous it has on the offer. We'll check out and see what's making black news locally and from right around Australia. And we'll explore all things Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander
2: and the deadly solid culture and people with a look at community news, views, music, culture and the arts. Hope you can join me for Black Noise Radio featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. That's me, Black Betty. I'll see you Thursdays at 2.
5: And we're back at Tuesday Brekkie. Just to um, back announce that track, you were listening to Yolanda Brown, who is a saxophonist and composer and that track was called Tokyo Sunset
0: really groovy too Mm. (laughs) Um, so I think we'll take this time to plug um, a very important event that's coming up soon Um, it's the Radiothon um, (laughs) where we raise vital funds to keep the station and our show going Um, we've also got a fundraiser page it's um, the link is www.givenow.com.au slash crowdraiser slash public slash Tuesday <laughs> It's also on our Facebook page, so you don't actually have to write yeah. this down anywhere. Um, And we've been doing okay so far. Yeah, we've been amazing so far. But we still definitely need
5: your help, please, everybody listening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, like it's really important um, for us to keep going for the next 12 months. And we're all volunteers here as well. And we'd really appreciate if you could chug some money our way. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were just going to talk a little bit about why we do what we do. Why we get up at 6 every Tuesday and... Um, walk to Collingwood and sit in the studio and do what we do. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first, Jordan?
5: Um, why do I come to Three CR? Have
0: um, been to see me. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I
5: to see all of your beautiful faces in the studio. Um, I think I think it's a combination of things. For myself personally, I think that Three CR has really helped me uh, sort of um, find my voice a little bit think mm. being able to come into this space and talk about ideas and issues that I really care a lot about has been fantastic just from just for my for myself um, and learning how to be more politically engaged mm. um, but in terms of and I guess it goes back to what Giselle was saying um, a few minutes ago. It's such, an, uh, it's such an incredibly special environment to be in and the fact mm. that you can come into this studio and this space and speak to all these people that are involved with so many different issues and you get connected to that uh, that grassroots level in a way that you just wouldn't be able to do on your own. Mm. And I think, yeah, just being able to come in here and and, and meet those people and realise that there is a lot being done, I think there's a lot of apathy um with a lot of people our age that there, you know there isn't a lot that you can do and everyone sort of laments about all of these political injustices and social mm. issues but there isn't a lot of doing and I think when you come into this, in, to the station you really see that there is a lot of doing going on mm. and that's really, really, really inspiring. Yeah. And then when you meet people and you find out what their program is and you go and listen to it and you rea- you know, you sort of it's just it's just such an amazing
0: network. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um and when Giselle was talking about how this is another platform for her to sort of spread her message about um you know, amongst other things, overthrowing the capitalist society. Yeah. Um and I think for me personally it's about well, learning about it. I like I thought I knew everything and then I realised how wrong I was <laughs> when I walked into three C R and yeah, like you said, just just um you know, interviewing these amazing people who are all making a difference in the world that I would have never known about, if not for 3CR, and, um, you know, 3CR's commitment to raise community voices up and um, to build support around that sort of initiatives is is incredible, and mm-hmm. I think that's why um, we do what we do. So... That's another plug <laughs> to go to our webpage yeah. and check us some money. And if you don't really particularly like our show or <laughs> us, that's fine. There's a general 3CR yeah. um, fundraiser page as well. Yeah. Um. And um, thank you. Yeah. For well, those who've donated already. Yes, absolutely.
5: Yeah. I guess if you if you have been enjoying our program and you are able to contribute, we will be so grateful mm. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's enough. I think we've bored them enough. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. So what's next? Are we going to
0: play another song? Yeah, let's play another song. Or did we want to continue yes. the podcast from before?
5: Yes, we can do that. Yeah, we can definitely do that. So do that. we've been playing, um, we played a little section from a program called Away, which is an Indigenous program um, on Arts and Culture, and this particular episode is on Five Voices on Myth, Disillusionment, and the 1967 referendum. So I'm just going to jump right in to where we left off a little while ago.
2: I remember once we were on holidays, I think somewhere in Terrigal, maybe on the Central Coast, anyway, and we had the radio on in the car and was before the referendum and someone was saying how, you know, this was a really important referendum to give Aboriginal people the vote and she pulled that car over and she made what in those days was a long-distance phone call to that radio station to make sure that that radio station host actually understood that that was not what it was about and that they should get their facts right. She was very clear that you had to understand what this was about and it was about really a very fundamental right. Uh, and, you know, obviously the vote is important and, and a fundamental right, but this is as well to be recognised, as you say, as part of the citizenry is crucial to your existence, really. To be stateless um, and to be not part of a, the citizens of a country is to be in limbo.
8: Well, the people who worked with me had to use their own money because we had no money the little group had no money and they were and nobody wanted to work with us because they'd say you know look the problems are here today faith never mind about this thing you're talking about this referendum um so it wasn't easy to change because those immediate needs were so great
1: 1967 passed by me in a blur, but years later I met Faith Bandler, Udguru Noonuckle and Bobby Sykes at a conference. Each of them, separately, had a word for me during the three days, and they hammered my crooked spine into a straight rod with a steely determination and intent. And gentleness, of course. But still, I don't think much about 1967. It didn't stop the intervention or deaths in custody or the stealing of children or the institutionalisation of racism within the Constitution. It might have looked like a light on the hill, but then Australia closed its eyes again for a 50-year dream of sand, surf and barbecues. Hey
6: there, Georgie girl. No fancy green. nobody you meet could ever see the loneliness there inside you hey there,
3: I, and, and as a matter of fact I don't think anybody thought that that would be the be-all and end-all but it turned out to be very much the case, that we ended a period of policies and legislation that, that proved to be detrimental in, in far, far more ways than anyone anticipated. And, uh, and I, I think um, that continues to be the case. You
2: She recognised that she could be articulate and that she could sway people and she spent a lot of time in small groups and in slightly larger groups and in big groups making that case well before the referendum was actually even heralded and I think that she honed her skills um, through that time and then was willing to to be that voice that spoke out and that articulated the reasons that people should vote yes. Um, and she took it as a responsibility.
1: Now, in 1956, with Lady Jessie Street... Faith Bandler hatched a plan to agitate for constitutional change. She was very much the driving force and the public face of the yes vote during the referendum campaign.
2: She was a, a and and one of the most evocative sounds for me is the sound of cutting out... Material on a on a wooden table, because I remember she would lay it out on a dining our dining room table, and I would hear those scissors start, and then she would make beautiful suits, and she would have a little piece of material left over that. A friend of hers, Gretel, after whom I was named, um, would make hats to match. So this is the sixties, Daniel. You know, it was still hats and gloves. Um, And so she would always see how she presented herself as important, uh, an important part of what of the work that she had to do. So she would dress immaculately and carefully and thoughtfully, and and speak with Passion but clarity.
8: Well, it's been a long road and it hasn't been easy. As I said before, there was an attitude at the time in the Australian community is, let them be, they're happy. Well, you couldn't let them be and they knew that. They wanted the rights that all other Australians wanted, see, new Australian, new people were coming into Australia and immediately requiring all the rights of Australian citizenship. And here you had the first people deprived of it. It was too ridiculous for words.
1: Faith Bandler, speaking to me on the 40th anniversary of the referendum back in 2007. Sadly, Faith passed away in 2015. Now, she was a stalwart of the organisation known as Fikatsi, the Federal Council for the Advancement of Aborigines and Torres Strait Islanders. This is Away on RN, we're marking the 50th anniversary of the 1967 referendum on Aboriginal Citizenship.
7: GCR are selling Kofia Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine.
5: And you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast with myself, George, Anya, and Ayan. Lauren is unfortunately not with us in the studio today. She's taking
4: a week off, and we really hope we'll see her back mm. next week. But she's been listening and sending us messages of support, girls. Yes, we miss you. We miss you. We <laughs> can't. And we can't wait to celebrate with her over the weekend. So.
7: Yeah, yeah. It's
4: Ooh. LB's birthday. We're <laughs> gonna get crowned. Beyonce. I love it. I think that's what we. Wandered over initially. I love for I mutual love for Beyonce. Yeah, (laughs) a good
5: icebreaker. (laughs) Um, So just if you tuned in uh, in the last couple of minutes, we were just playing some audio from a program called Away. um, Fantastic program which covers uh, Indigenous topics, arts and culture. And that particular episode was on the 67 referendum and various voices and
4: perspectives on that. Beautiful. And now we're going to be hearing from a song by Alice Skye, and the song is called You Are the Mountains.
6: Light the paintings on your stone
1: My
5: stomach hot.
8: That people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job, without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go,
6: and I don't like it, and I'm saying so.
9: You're listening to 3CR 855
2: on the AM dial.
3: The voice of West Papua rock.
2: As a West Papuan living in Australia, I can sit down and while I'm cooking dinner, listen to the voice of my people and also give the opportunities for my children to be able to listen to it and to our awesome music that's coming out of our country that you wouldn't be able to hear on commercial radio.
9: We love the voice of West Papua. Brilliant show, great hosts, fantastic information, and we love the voice of West Papua.
0: You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with Ayan, George and myself, Anya. It is currently 8.07 a.m. and probably still raining outside. Um, So something very exciting happened over the weekend, um, and that was the historic referendum in Ireland, where the Irish people voted by a landslide to repeal the Eighth Amendment to the country's constitution, allowing the government to legislate for abortion. Um, it was a pretty incredible moment, and all week we've just been on Twitter watching all these videos of um, women flying back to Ireland to to cast their vote, and um, yeah, it's a great result. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and up next we have someone um, from the Human Rights Law Center, um, Adrian Walters, senior lawyer. And she's joining us today to talk about a very um, related topic. It's about the New South Wales Public Health Amendment Safe Access to Reproductive Health Clinics Bill and the implications of its safe passage. Thanks for joining us, Adrienne.
6: Thank you for having me.
0: So the New South Wales Public Health Amendment Safe Access to Reproductive Health Clinics Clinics Bill. What is it about and what is it aiming to achieve?
6: Sure, it's a a long title for a bill that essentially creates access zones around abortion clinics in New South Wales and so what it will do is mean that um, women who for so long have had to run a gauntlet of abuse and intimidation just to see their doctor Mm. will now be able to go up to the the clinic door and know that they can enter the clinic privately and safely and without having um, abuse held at them or Mm. um, without having people trying to obstruct their entry and so it's really a vital bill in terms of making sure that women can access uh, the health care that they need.
0: Yeah, and where is the bill now?
6: So the bill has passed the Legislative Council in New South Wales, mm-hmm. and it will go before the Legislative Assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my understanding is that should happen in early June.
0: Mm, that's really exciting. Um, and yeah, in your sorry. experience why is the so it's a hundred and fifty meter safe zone is, is that right mm-hmm. and in yep. your experience why is that so important
6: because that's the the area immediately outside um, the clinic that provides abortion it's a really critical moment in terms of um, people accessing healthcare. so it's a moment when someone can be identified as accessing a clinic and so that means that their privacy their privacy interests are really critical at that moment mm. and if you have people standing out the front who are filming, who are um, yelling abuse, who are taking photographs for example mm. then um, that sort of you know sense of um, privacy that you and I mm. feel that we are entitled to have when we see our doctor, that's um, essentially undermined mm. um, when there's People out the front of the clinic um questioning your medical choices yeah. it, at times has also um, led to um, violence, so there have been incidents um, in which there have been assaults um, and there was some footage in um, from New South Wales recently that was aired in which um, you know there was an example of a, an assault, and so that's at the most extreme. And unfortunately, it doesn't happen too often, but the um the psychological impacts of um having someone stand outside and question your decisions and um you know essentially what uh, what it's going towards is making people feel ashamed about the decision that they're making, and the impacts of that psychologically can be quite um, distressing for someone mm,
0: yeah. In um, assuming that this bill passes safely, um, what is next in the fight for safe reproductive health care in New South Wales?
6: In New South Wales, uh, abortion is still in the criminal code. Mm-hmm. Um, there are exceptions, which mean that women can often access an abortion, but the reality is it's still treated as a criminal justice matter rather than a health matter and no other health, uh, health um or medical treatment in New South Wales is treated um, this way. Mm. And so what that communicates to women is that, um, you know, again, the decisions they're making about their bodies and their lives um, for some reason need to be subject to the criminal law. Mm. It's a criminal law. It's a law that's over 100 years old. It's clearly outdated. It goes against modern medical practice and community values. And so the next step is to see abortion taken out of the criminal code mm-hmm. and regulated like any other health procedure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also read with interest your your media release about the High Court case, the test case regarding the validity of Victoria's safe access zone laws. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that case?
6: Yes, yeah, so the um, Victoria has safe access zone. Um, around abortion clinics and they've been in place since 2015 Mm. and they've been really effective in terms of making sure that women can see their doctor without um, facing the harassment and abuse of anti-abortionists out in front of the clinic. We've heard really positive um, things from clinic providers in terms of just how much better this has made things for patients but also for their staff. Mm. And so these laws are being challenged in the High Court. Um, The challenge is about whether they are constitutional or not um, Mm. and whether they um, breach the implied freedom of political communication. Mm. And our position is that, um, of course, freedom of political communication is really, really important in Australia but so too is the right of women to access medical care safely and privately. Mm. And we think that Victoria's safe access zone laws strike the right balance. Yep. And um, and so that's where we're asking the court um, if we can make submissions to support um, the laws in that sense.
0: Mm.
5: Um, hi, Adrian, this is George. I just want to ask a question about... Um, about the law in New South Wales and also South Australia and Queensland so it seems like it's not legal um, on request in those states is there much of a push uh, to change those laws?
6: Yeah so in New South Wales and in Queensland there are exceptions to the criminal law which means that women can access abortion um, for example where it's uh, for health reasons, so physical or mental health reasons or, um, you know, where their life is a, is a threat. Um, but what this does is essentially place decision-making power in the hands of doctors rather than um, positing a woman as the person who is best placed to make decisions about um, her body and her life. And mm-hmm. so in terms of having abortion taken out of the criminal law, Um, what uh, we'd like to see is that it's replaced with laws that respect women as autonomous decision-makers, as um, the people who are best placed to make the decisions about their bodies and lives. Mm. Um, It's quite positive to see that in Queensland, the government has asked the Law Reform Commission to review its abortion laws, and it has stated that it wants to modernise abortion laws in Queensland, um, we haven't seen any such commitment from New South Wales yet, but it's certainly something that we'll be pushing into the future.
8: Mm.
5: Yeah, and definitely. See, I mean, New South Wales often seems to be quite, or oh, a little bit progressive in some senses. So it's interesting to mm. see that they haven't sort of changed this already. So hopefully, we 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 will see that happen mm. in the near future.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just it it absolutely um, stuns me that we're still seeing women's bodies controlled by laws that are over 100 years Mm -hmm. old in New South Wales and Queensland is quite incredible so I think change is coming and it's just a matter of time and really pushing politicians to appreciate that it is time
0: yeah yeah um that's that's really interesting stuff and I think even with the test case that's that's happening soon I think we'll all be really tuning in um, about that um thank you so much again for joining us Adrienne
6: That's right. Thanks for having me. That was
0: Adrienne Walters, senior lawyer at the Human Rights Law Centre, talking to us about the New South Wales Public Health Amendment Save Access to Reproductive Health Clinics Bill. You can read more about the bill and all about the other important work the HRLC does on their website, www.hrlc.org.au. It's a really interesting topic. I've had um, a lot of my uni
5: students, um, a few of them from the uh, are from the US and they're here on exchange. Mm. And they've noticed that there's a real um, difference in what's actually the, sort of the main feminist topics. Mm. And so a big one for them that they found really surprising is that we don't seem to talk much about abortion rights in mm. Australia. That was their personal experience. And they said in the US it's huge, it's such a big topic. Um, and convers- conversely they found that sex work was a really prominent feminist topic that we're discussing Mm. so i thought it was really interesting and i realized yeah we don't i mean in the gender subject that i that i tutor and we don't talk about abortion rights we focus on other reproductive rights like surrogacy and Mm. um egg doning and these Mm. sorts of things but we don't talk much about abortion rights Mm. and i wonder like is that a common thing that we're not really you know because it's not fully legal in a lot of
0: states in australia Mm. yeah which i found really surprising i didn't even realize that um, abortion had been decriminalised um, in certain states here mm. um, when I first came to Australia, and like to me it was like a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, but apparently that's still a thing, yeah. and even with the safe access zone laws, like great that Victoria has it, obviously, but only from 2015. Yeah, maybe because it
5: because it is legal in Victoria, we've kind of forgotten about it. Yeah. And that, that it's not the same in other
0: states. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, but it's so important that you know, people would harass and intimidate women literally steps away from making such a huge decision as Mm -hmm. if they haven't thought about it for ages Yeah, um, to then shove, you know, flies in their face or... Yeah.
5: yeah. You can't imagine what that would just be horrible. Mm. Mm.
4: Going back to your point, George, I had no clue that... I thought every state legalised abortion. Like, hearing both of you discuss it is the first time... like me hearing that actually no, there are a few states who are still lagging behind Mm. Mm. and i think because politicians depend on like my type of ignorance they depend on me assuming that actually abortion clinics are like uh, like that sorry what i'm trying to say is it's important to talk about it, and I think maybe we also need to yeah. make an effort to talk about it because when we don't, we ju- I'm when I don't, I assume because everything's all gravy, everything's cool, and I guess that's where politicians sneak in and they pass all these like, um, yeah, regulatory laws, yeah, um, regulating on our bodies and so on.
1: Mm. Yeah,
5: and I think it, perhaps it has been forgotten a little bit in, sort of, our, our, our sort of space because there, there's obviously been that. Um, kind of push to recognise other issues of reproductive rights because mm. abortion rights has often been, like, a very white-focused issue and there have been a lot of women who are fighting to be able to have their children mm. and to keep their children and so the conversation has sort of shifted to include those um, those reproductive issues but then we should also, of course, recognise this and maybe it's something we should cover in future weeks on Tuesday Brekkie. Yeah, and also
0: the, the point that... Um um Adrian made about you know shame being such a such a important part of of this conversation, mm. and that 's why people don 't talk about it, so yeah, yeah. I think Tuesday breakfast will definitely be talking <laughs> lots <Yeah>. more. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing fellows learned in the last 200 years to be
8: very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13?
2: Let's talk about the Black GST, Genocide to be Stopped sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR
7: with Robbie Thorpe.
9: If you want to hear us slam the atomic industry, then tune into the radioactive show on 3CR 10am Saturday.
4: And if you're tuning in, you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast with myself, Ayan, with George and Anya. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Lauren isn't here with us, um, but she will be hopefully next week. She's super busy, but as always, she's listening in. um, So we do appreciate that and we'd love her feedback. I love it. There is nothing like having somebody who is cheering you on and you don't have to be here. Yeah. Just n- knowing that is, well, it's comforting to me. Yeah. And sending us fire emojis. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. It's yeah. yeah. very validating. <laughs> Nobody uses clapping and fire emojis <laughs> like Lauren does. She makes good use of it, so <laughs> we appreciate that. Speaking of hype, I thought we'd play some hype music. Um, so we're going to be naughty and play a song that has a few um, expletives. Um, but so if, you're, if you've got little children or... Um, songs with profanity and, um, I guess, creative use of the English language creative. isn't your isn't thing. Um, I would suggest that you yeah, tune out for the next maybe three or so minutes. And the song is by Nicki Minaj and it's called Chun-Li. Do you, do you need be, oh, I love that song. Oh, like it was worth being cheeky and it was worth, yeah. Sorry, senses. <laughs> but, you know, it's Nicki Minaj. Um, so don't add us, please. On, don't add us at our social media. Don't add us in our emails because that had to be played. Yeah.
0: Yes. So we're at the end of the show. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We, yeah. We hope you had a great time with us. We know we did. Yeah. And um, thanks to our guests as well today. Yeah. And go to our Radio Swan page. Yes, please. <laughs>
4: <laughs> what's the link? So, uh, what's the link to our page?
0: Uh, look, it's really long. It's, it's on our Facebook page. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's on
4: our Facebook page. Get on our Facebook page. And we'll also share the link of the audio. Yes. Yeah, from that. Away. Away. The
5: program we were playing some little snippets of today.
4: Perfect. Okay, so have a safe and uh, productive, productive week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Season. Bye. Bye. <laughs>